When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We gotta start the show. Everyone's fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 234. I'm your host, Mark Already. We're recording on July 4th, 2021. And this show is sponsored by betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. Uh, bringing in Heather Hot on this uh, Independence Day. Um, hopefully everybody out there, all the listeners and YouTube viewers are having a day with your family and three-day weekend. Hopefully you guys get three-day weekends because you deserve it. So Heather, how's it going? It's going all right. I just want to add on to that and say happy Independence Day to the most revolutionary, industrialized, badass nation in the world. We are lucky to live in an awesome multicultural society. Uh, I had the best professor once that said America's not a melting pot. It's like a salad. You might not like everything in the salad, but it's not a salad without everything in it. And uh, I just hope everyone has fun, enjoys maybe a little more farm freedom now that we're uh, things are looking generally up in the whole pandemic thing. Be kind to one another and let's all take a breath, man. And remember, we all friggin' love the same damn country and we're supposed to love each other. So love each other, party, don't party. Get rained on, don't get rained on, just whatever. Everyone be safe and happy and be like, yeah, damn it, we made it. America. 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 Fuck yeah. Yeah, Uh, goddamn right it is. (laughs) So uh, I put, I tied a good one on last night, as you already know. We're recording this a little late because I needed to hydrate myself. Some Pedialyte and some water does wonders. 
but for the celebration, no free ads, by the way. Got a little Celsi going on. So we're gonna do the show with a seltzer. Back to the scene of the crime. Let's stop yeah. this bitch all over, baby. Back to where you started it off. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Hey, before we get to the hockey talk, I do want to talk about show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag has the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. Get all the fastest nudes, odds, odds, and information on all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, PGA, National Hockey League, and all your UFC and MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next baseball pitch or the next bar-down goal in Stanley Cup playoff hockey, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks. Get in on the action at BetOnline.ag. Yeah. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive that welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Woo! Let's kick this one off with a with a boomer. We have some Bruins hockey talk. We got we scratched away. We're going to be doing this every week to get you guys updated on all the news and and our opinions because we love sitting here talking Boston Bruins. So and we love BetOnline.ag too because they're awesome sponsors. They are indeed. Unfortunately, the first topic of news that happened this week in Bruins land is not a very happy topic. It was a sad one. And I mean, not something, you know, like discussion based, but definitely we just want to make sure to recognize um, rest in peace, little Vigo, um, David Pasternak and his girlfriend, Rebecca Rolson lost their son after a couple days mm-hmm. of life. Um, as Pasta said, now they have an angel that they call son. It's really sad. And we would be remiss if, we didn't start with, unfortunately, the tragic stuff that started at the beginning of the week with this team and can't imagine. I have had some friends that have had to go through it. So just hopefully they're surrounded by their friends and family and, you know, everyone's respecting their privacy to let them mourn. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, our hearts go out to them. That's all. Yeah, uh, it was very sad news. Mm-hmm. I really hit me hard because this is my favorite team. He's one of my favorite boss, uh, favorite players. And, um, and he's just a uh, league known for being uh, a world-class talent. But life is beyond the game. And this is like real hit-home stuff um, for friends and family of of the Pasternak's and Rebecca. And, and we do want to, um, you know, uh, grant their request to be, you know, alone for this time of grieving and so on. And totally respect that. And we'll do the same, but we just wanted to give our heartfelt condolences to the friends and family of David Pasternak, teammates, um, members of the Boston Bruins organization. You guys are all one big family. So I hopefully uh, everybody's just, you know, doing what they had to do and, and, you know, um, wish them well moving forward from this, um, this really sad part of their lives. And uh, yeah, you made no. a good point about it being bigger than hockey. Um, but one thing I do have to say is the outpouring on just social media from the other teams and players and just fans of other teams and stuff. I mean, that goes to show you, right? Everyone always says hockey is a big family and it really is. And there are things bigger than, you know, goals and shit like that. So, yeah, that sucks. And unfortunately, but we obviously could not say send our love because that would just be wrong to not even 
give it a mention. You know what I mean? So yep. anyways, that's that. We love you guys. Absolutely. All right. We're going next. All right. To- what's up? Next topic. Oh, your boy Trent Frederick was in the news. Gave a little off presser this week after his contract. We we did talk about he got a two-year contract, right? A little over a million a year. Little bump, but not like giant bump from his previous salary, even though some people were melting down about it. Uh, and what did you think about um, thoughts of Trent Frederick? Just like uh, his answers to some of the questions of his expectations for himself or what people are expecting of him going forward. One, one thing that I wanted to talk about was the, the, the strange sickness that was going, um, that he was talking about, that he didn't quite know what it was. It wasn't COVID related, but it was a high temp throwing up kind of thing. It was just weird that uh, he couldn't give a defined answer on that. Um, but uh, moving forward, it, I thought there was a lot of good positives from his conversation with, um, I can't, uh, Sofia Yerskovich. Yeah. Oh, I was close. Maybe. All right. Um, the, the interview that she did with him uh, post uh, contract signing or extension, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, there was a lot of positives out of it. I thought that Trent, um, you know, Sophia asked him if, um, if the team asked him to work on some things over the summer and he, and he came back and said, yeah, of course there was some, uh, some feedback, um, Maybe some positive, maybe some negative, but that's the driving force behind a, a professional hockey player is um, is your willingness to get better when you have a tough season and and you, you know the hate train comes through you like Twitter does most of the time, and you try to reflect all that stuff and work harder and and try to put it all together and and secure a roster spot next year because it is a one it is a one way deal. Uh, I believe he's going to be in the mix. Um, after after training camp and you know the first days of uh, of hockey in October of 21, but he's going to be on a short leash. You know, I mean, go out there, run around, and do what you got to do to be that aggressive player on the fourth line, um, either the wing or the center, and um, and and contribute, make impacts. I don't want to see him just running around being that that goon type player. Air quotes there. Um, and, and try to get penalties where we don't, we, we weren't good on the penalty kill at all in the playoffs and towards the end of the season. So, um, I, I want to see them better at, at, you know, just stupid penalties is just ridiculous. So, um, if he can address all that and just become that more, you know, all round, uh, player that we, we need, I think he's going to be okay. Yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting. This kind of goes back to what we talk about often that some of these kids are in a position where they also need to show them that, you know, you, like Trent Frederick, you cost a million dollars. Why should I let you stay here and be on this roster rather than just go out and get me another million dollar play? You know what I mean? That maybe is a little more developed. So it'll be interesting, not just for Frederick, but some of those other guys, especially the contentious early drafts of the Sweeney, you know, those players to see what comes of it. But I mean, he seemed up to, I'm sure they had stuff to t- talk to him about, you know what I mean? Cause like, even if you think about it right now, I mean, I know like we don't have Chris Wagner signed, but as of now, like you're still trying to be, isn't what I thought Wagner was a free agent. I UFA. He's not. Well, anyways, what I'm saying is like, it, those are the players are going to have to compete with, like, at least with Wagner, you know, he has experience and you know what he can do. Like we still don't know what these young players can do. So they really are going to have to up, up their game to see about, 
um, beating out for spots. You know what I mean? Some of them might pull through and some of them might not, but the, we still only have so many slots, but he seems optimistic about it. You know what I mean? It's good to, to give him another chance. He has Wagner's still, got two years. No, who am I thinking of? Sean Corrali then probably. Yes, Corral. I was just going to touch on that. Um, yeah. I, I believe that this was kind of an insurance policy for the Boston Bruins signing Trent, because I don't believe that they are going to come to terms with Sean Corrali. I think the, the, I think the, the project with Corrali and the bottom bottom six um, role that he played is is pretty much over because the last two years I have not seen anything pleasant. I mean, he's a complimentary player and, he, and the guy goes out there and works hard. There's no doubt, but th there's parts of his game that he's losing. The first two years I was really excited about Sean Corrali. The last two years I have, I have not, and and in those in those first two years. The, that bottom six had somewhat of an identity. Um, it was you matched up against your top, uh, your opposing top lines much better. But lately, we're not seeing that anymore. That's this, it's really lost. And you know, uh, when you talk about Wagner and so on, he bring he did bring up, and I know we talk about it a lot, but the emotional side of this pandemic and going through it has been tough for him. So, it, I mean, there's so many avenues that could go on in, in um in somebody's life right now and, and, and reasons for struggle, but you know, the Corrali and, and, and Wagner is, it's just, wow. It's just what a, what a downturn, but um, we're, I would it, say Corrali more than Wagner. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Noticeably. Yeah. So I just don't, I just don't see the Bruins bringing um, uh, Corrali back. He's a UFA. He's 28 years old. Um, but who knows? I mean, it's going to be a long off season and um you know, if you if you want to reconstruct the bottom six, like they said in their exit interviews, like Neely and Sweeney mentioned, then this is a move that you have to walk away from, unfortunately, and and add internally with Trent Frederick being signed. So uh, this just might be one of these insurance policies that, uh, you know, they need moving forward. Geez, talk about no identity. I got Corrali and Wagner mixed up there in my head. <laughs> I mean, not like I have the I mean, that's just so silly. I can't believe I did that. Well, I apologize. As I said to Mark, I'm not having my best Sunday. So they, it's all right. Okay. Sorry. I apologize, Chris Wagner and Sean Corrali. Go ahead. All right. Moving yeah, on so, to the next yeah, one. Yeah, Wednesday there was a big announcement, right? Uh, it's yes. official, like Mark, and I know Mark is is always big to say, not just him, Mark Diver, and everyone was saying it, saying it, saying it, all the people out there. Uh, he likes to make sure everyone gets their credit, but Mark was has been pretty adamant. He would like Manchester or Maine, and Maine you got, buddy, ECHL officially, the Maine Mariners for the Bruins. Yeah. I know you're excited. Go ahead. Go on it. No, I'm I'm, I'm pumped. I... I it didn't even have to be Maine. Somewhere in New England would be a suitable uh, location because, I mean, we are basically the only hockey team in New England, professional-wise, in the NHL. So when you have something like that and you have it so close, you gravitate New England fans to your to your product. And I think this was a very good move on both organizations, both franchises. And kudos to uh, former NHL player uh, Daniel Briere and um, – and the uh, head coach and GM, which is actually uh, Colby Armstrong's brother. I don't remember his name right now. Uh, but they they worked out a deal with the Boston Bruins to have their double A minor pro affiliate, the East Coast Hockey League affiliate uh, in Maine. So Portland, Maine, welcome back to uh, an affiliation with the Boston Bruins. 
Uh, Boston did have an American Hockey League affiliation called the Maine Mariners uh, back when they took over after the Philadelphia Flyers originally had um, had their prospects go to Portland. Uh, and I think it was uh, a short tenure. Uh, it was from 1987, I think, uh, 86 or to 1992. So uh, welcome back uh, to the Portland, Maine area. We are really excited to, to cover this team, not only uh, on the podcast, but at the blackandgoldhockey.com website. We've already uh, brought on uh, three or four new writers to cover the uh, Maine Mariners. We're hopefully going to get credentialed. I'm reaching out to the organization next week after the holidays and you know, pretty much let the organization um, get uh, the excitement out of this system and, and what has to be done so far. So when they get a little more relaxed, I'll reach out and see what we can do for getting some of these people that are writing for us now that live in, around the Portland area to get them involved in player uh, interviews and and write some articles and, and you know, uh, not, not only in an effort to uh, increase our our stuff, but also give the knowledge to the what's going on in at this level of the Boston Bruins organization to the Boston Bruins fans out there. So uh, we're doing our best to uh, to complete that mission, and we're uh, we're, we're going to be coming at it hard because we do cover all levels of the uh, of the NHL club. Um, yeah, and I think it's important, like we talked about, like maybe the ECHL doesn't always mean that there is Bruins players necessarily on there. That's just where the Bruins players would go and that deep. But I, I think for hockey fans, it's exciting because sometimes in the ECHL, you do have little diamonds in the rough that someday you will see at the higher levels. And, uh, you know, just kind of a fun little thing. You know what I mean? That's just yeah. me. But. Yeah, no, and and um, if I... I'm hearing a lot of things about how the CBA is going to be structured in in the future. And this this move to Portland might have facilitate something in the lines of what I'm talking about or going to talk about. I have a strong feeling that the CBA is going to be constructed differently when it comes to contracted players. Now, the Boston Bruins currently, um, there's a 50 contract limit. They, they currently have 30 that are signed. Mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be increased to at least 60. So that leaves you 10 contracts that you could have. So this is a good way to go in the NCAA levels when kids are graduating and their commitments with the schools are over and you want to sign the free agents like of the past of Matt Philippe, uh, Carson Kuhlman, and all those players, this would be a great place, Maine, the Maine Mariners of the East Coast Hockey League, to put some of these players like that. They're under contract. They make a little more money than an East Coast Hockey League contract-only player. But also, you increase the amount of people and, and players contracted on the Boston Bruins. So there's the interest factor right there. Is like now you're going to have an increased freaking number of Boston Bruins uh, prospects or guys you want to keep an eye on in the future. And by having that, you're going to increase more attention, I, I believe, and, and, and ticket sales and so on. Now, predominantly, the East Coast Hockey League for the Boston Bruins was the Atlanta Gladiators, and, and they had an agreement, but it wasn't an affiliation agreement. It was more of a, we're going to place players there on loans, the Jacksonville Iceman. So um, I forgot what I was going to say, but 
And they had a few. There's a few teams that oh, didn't yeah, have yeah, affiliations, yeah. so they kind of split time with many other people's prospects. Yeah. But the, the East Coast League for the Boston Bruins is not riddled with Boston Bruins prospects. And I think that's important to remember because a lot of people say, well, who are Bruins prospects? And I said, there's none. And then people come back and say, well, what's the point of having an affiliation? The affiliation between the Boston Bruins and the East Coast Hockey League is a feeder system for the Providence Bruins. So when you make moves from the Providence Bruins to injuries, the guys, it's a, it's a follow-up. It's a console trickle effect. We need players from here. You need to fill spots there. So, um, And then below the East Coast League is the SPHL, which is the Southern Pacific Hockey League. And that's another feeder system for the, uh, for the, um, the E. Or the coast, as they call it. But no, I mean, exciting times for Maine. Uh, we're going to have some fans on uh, in the soon, uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, talking to some uh, some uh, really cool people, uh, fans that have been in the stands since since day one. And uh, we might get uh, 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 Jeff Mannix. Uh, he's a play-by-play guy from Maine. Uh, and uh, we might have him on to talk about that because he had a big part in the uh, discussions over on the Bruins Diaries podcast, which is is uh, sneaking back into my favorites recently. I, I really like that program. You know, John John has done a good uh, job bringing on Jeff, and uh, it's it's good listen. So I might have yep. him on. That would be cool. Yeah, I'm enjoying. I listen. You know, I listen to John. He's I like John. He's yeah. That guy. Like that guy's him. a production master. I mean. Just uh, he's got so many things involved in 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 podcasting and radio and so on for years. So it's it's kind of like an idol of mine. Yeah, he's got he's got a. You can tell too that he's one someone who started in radio because he's got a great like radio sounding voice. When he's yeah, talking. sure does. Um, yeah, right. well, that's exciting news. And now, um, it, you know, obviously Portland's a little closer. Portland's an awesome city too. So you know, it'll should draw fans from around the region a little more. All right, um, so our Providence, well, cool, Maine Mariners, we'll see them next year. All right, so Providence Bruins sign uh, Eli Zumak, is that how you say it, or Zumak? No, nope, Zumak, yep. Okay, just double-checking because I wasn't sure. Uh, to a two-year AHL-only contract, and he previously played in the Western Hockey League for the Spokane Chiefs. Um, I'm assuming, Mark, you know a little bit of information yeah. about them. Yeah, I wrote an article about it when the uh, news came out, when Diver uh, broke the news, and then uh, it officially became a, a, a thing when uh, the Providence Bruins dropped it on Twitter. But later on that night, I did a, a quick article about about it. Um, a good Western League kid. I uh, spent five full seasons in the in the uh, in the dub. Um, he did have one like real explosive career year. Where he had 64 assists and led the uh, the WHL, so he's uh, he's one of those pass first types of uh, centers. He's undersized, and of course, of course, I put an article out there, and everybody harps on uh, him being under 5'10", and Don Sweeney doesn't know what he's doing, and the Bruins hate continued because all we have to do is have seven five burly, hardly can move players all in our lineup and then that will make everybody happy but folks you need to relax because this is an ahl only deal if he impresses the boston bruins then they'll sign him to a two-way deal but stop freaking out on 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 just an organization trying to get 
sustainability in their roster because players have departed. Paul Carey departed. Uh, he was a captain for the last two seasons. So we need to make adjustments for players to come in. And this is a decent deal. It's not an explosive deal. It's a show me thing. And uh, there's no need to freak out that this guy is going to make the NHL lineup anytime soon. So whether his weight, his height, or, or playing ability, it's not a big deal. I, I just, I really, I don't understand the freak out. Every time I put an article out there, it's like, oh, 510, oh, uh, uh, the world's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, Brad Marchand's only like 5'9", and he's awesome. So that's kind of a moot point. And that's you the can- thing. So many people came after the article because they they got to that point when they saw height and weight, and it's like that's when they lost it. And I appreciate the click, honestly. But I like the people that follow me, and they fire back, and it's like, well, Brad Marchand's under six feet, blah, blah, blah. There was a whole list of people that have been under six feet in the past 10 years that haven't had successful careers. Yeah. And But it's like, oh, you need these big guys to win a Stanley Cup. You could do and- anything you want in the regular season, but ugh. Well, here's a tip. There are many small people that have lifted Stanley Cups. Uh, Mike Richter, Theron yeah. Fleury. Like, you could just start going. And, and most uh, previously, who probably won't win a Stanley mean. Cup. Yeah, exactly. Who probably <laughs> won't just, win a Stanley Cup is like Cole Caulfield. I mean, great yeah. player. Oh, yeah. Undersized. He's, he's going to be fun He's a water watching bug. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, oh, no. Oh, no. Got to have the six fives. Well, and especially some of the, um, it's funny to me because like, if you're looking at a 17 year old male, right. When they're 21 and they're like five ten, they could very well end up being six one because guys grow a little later. They grow more, you know, they're not really done growing till they're more like 2021. So it's kind of funny. And, And even then you can put on bulk, but I mean, many small players, Don Sweeney. I mean, you can go on and survived in the world where there were many giant guys. That's only job was to be brick walls and right. they all made it. So I think some of these young kids might. And again, I'm all about the depth. That's what this season showed me is that we do not have, it's like confirm some of my worst fears of we don't have as much depth as I think everyone kept trying to say, no, we do. We do have that. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. I okay. I trust guys. you. You're one of those one people, of those but at the same time, you, respectfully know like if i'm like no no i don't like there are reasons in my own head even if i can't explain it that i get these feelings you know and but yeah. that being said like i said i'm not um shitting on anybody tried their best this season and did their job but i'd like us to work a little out going forward and recognize mm, we still might have little gaps here and there so the more you have in the more you can sort out you know um, i believe but- i'm a strong believer that the off season is the time for constant improvement if you have the cap space to do it and you have the will to make a move or a signing why not take the time, use the downtime effectively and, and try to get a winner. That's going to freaking get us past the threshold. We've been there a couple of times in the past 10 years. Let's get it this time. And I think this is going to be a crucial off season for uh, general manager and pre- general manager, Don Sweeney and president Cam Neely, because um, I think ownership is, uh, is on, you know, on their back saying, listen, we need to get it done. And I think this is going to be a big year too, because, um, you know, everybody's getting back into the stands and so on that the Jacobs family company is, is going to be back on track with the concessions and so on, as the world continues to open up in these, uh, facilities where sports mm-hmm. and, uh, everything's related. So, 
and then they can make their money. But um, I think though, it's also a sign too, because like you said, they don't, especially the bottom six has to figure out what the hell, because you figure if you don't re-sign Krejci, you're probably going to go get another person, even like a Craig Smith kind of signing to try and help shore up for like experience and a little more there. But the guys, it, it seems to me that that means there is some of the people who are been in Providence, they do have hope will fill some of the gaps and they're going to pull them up. But like you said, you can't, every time you, someone makes the Boston Bruins, the Providence Bruins still need people down there for a full team too. So if yep. this Eli and guy is someone they think can make it work, then cool. Heather, this is probably a guy that could spend at least one season out of that two year deal in, in Maine, you know? So, yeah. I mean, this, it, it's a great place to go to get that physicality aspect of um, developing. You want to know what a pro league is like coming out of the dub, coming out of the uh, NCAA hockey, coming out of European hockey. The East Coast League is a great place to start. You might light it up like you don't belong there uh, uh, offensively, but yeah. when it comes to the the game and how fast it is and how heavy it can come at you, the coast is a great place to get that experience. And some Boston Bruins prospects have gone that path, especially the goaltending lately. If you want to see a lot of shots you, and and not great defense, well, there you go. You're gonna you're gonna learn that type of game that you know you need to control your rebounds, like Vodar did, and 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 um and Kyle Kaiser have been doing, and you know who. Yeah, who knows in the future, but it's just a great place for to go and see so many different aspects, even though it's a lower league that doesn't get a ton of attention. It's interesting to me, too, because the Bruins don't, um, at least that I can think of, they don't really dig into the WHL very much. They're very much, they like the European prospects. They like their NCAA, mostly Metro Boston, New England prospects. Uh, that, that seems to me like that's how they play. Maybe, uh, out of Ontario, you know what I mean? Or, you know, the Quebec major juniors or something like that, but they really do kind of focus on the Northeast, you know, Eastern Canada for recruiting. So I thought that's, that was interesting. That's a great point though. Heather. I mean, back in 2015, when the Boston Bruins had 10 draft picks in a seven round draft, all Canadian um, major junior leagues were covered. You had Jesse Gabriel in the dub. You had, um, uh, Jake DeBrusque in the dub. You had uh, some in the, I don't know exactly who, uh, in the OHL. And you had Cedric Paré in the in the, in the the queue and so on. But the past couple of years, the Boston Bruins have not gone Canadian at all. And that, that strikes a very, very heavy, um, heavy toll on some Canadian Boston Bruins fans. And, and one that, that believe... Um, you know, they look at the tw uh, 2011 Stanley Cup Championship Boston Bruins team and they count all the Canadians that were on there. And I think there were 11 or 12, which is absolutely respected. But I don't believe championships can be like uh, done and won with members from just one country. I believe it comes from a variety of places. And it's how you get the message to them, regardless of where they're from, the native countries and so on. Um, and that's a that's a popular narrative that the uh, when the Boston Bruins do not draft the Canadian uh, player, the the, the uh, Twitterverse goes absolutely crazy. And um, I don't understand it, but 
I mean, I, I get think- that. I get that uh, Canada is like known for the for their hockey, and that's their sport, and so on. And and you're born with skates on, and blah blah blah. But I'm not buying that. You need a full roster of Canadians to win a cup again. Sorry. Well, I don't believe that either because I think that, as I've said, I think uh, USA hockey has caught up back up to Canada. You know, I. I think that our team, I, I really hope we go to the Olympics kind of thing, just to say, because I think yeah. it may be, you know, um, and I think Canada knows that. They just, of course, would never admit that. So I think there has been a switch to drafting more American players or whatever. I mean, you're What's always, it? it's been very fin- Finnish heavy, just like lately, at, just like it was Swedish heavy for a while and Russian heavy. You know, I mean, the Russians are always going to be popping. Heather, there might be something to do with that. And I'm I'm not saying it's it's solid information or anything like that, but I'm more or less just just guessing. But it might be that 20 year rule because all three leagues have that. If you don't play, if you don't play in the NHL, if you're 19 years old and you're drafted and you don't play in the NHL immediately, you can't go to the AHL. You have to go back to your your junior team. That might be something that they the Boston Bruins don't want to play with. Yeah. And and they're even talking about bringing that down to age 19 and possibly having the draft for 19-year-old players because it helps the sustainability of the Canadian juniors too, you know. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a real weird, weird thing um, that's going on. But that might be it. That's like, you know, we, well, we'd love to have you Canadians, but we want to get them more involved when they're 18 years old and they're just drafted in the American Hockey League. And if you can't allow us to do that, we're going to go to places that do allow us to talk to players like the NCAA, you know, like, um, Oh, Hey, uh, you're uh, John Beecher and you've completed two seasons and you're going to start your junior year next year. Want to sign with the Bruins? Boom. Look, it's done. You don't have to worry about the age. Yeah, that's true too. I think it's kind of weird that I think 20 is kind of young anyways for the cutoff date. Like that's, just developmentally again, like um, you're not even really until you're probably 21, 22, really in your man body or whatever kind of thing. Uh, so I think maybe that it should be a little higher because it seems a little ridiculous. I understand we think all at seven years old, we can identify all these great players and that's great. I mean, they draft earlier and earlier. They start talking to people like they're 13. Do you know how much can go on between being 13 and graduating high school or playing for a your lot. or whatever? Right. Gave like a so. Lot. It seems to me like I feel like it's it's discouraging to see it getting younger and younger and just this expectation. Because then what happens is that a lot of like not every kid is Sidney Crosby or Patrice Bergeron or Connor McDavid that at that age can just be not like they haven't grown as players, but just be kind of ready made to play at that highest of level. You know, like, I mean, I'm just saying if I'm a 20 year old's swedish kid it almost makes more sense for me to go back home you know what i mean and not have the pressure of being forced into a career i might not be ready for only then to have my career taken away from me which i do think happens to european players a lot in north america that like we expect them but like you said do we always factor in um like the transition to the different ice in the rules yep. you know yep. north american well hockey, and european well hockey is very very different things like that i don't know but I do think it's good if we expand every league depends on each other, right. To keep going. Right. I mean, even just from trying to get kids to get in five, six years old, get them skating, whatever. And 
go. But I do think developmentally the USA has come a long way. USA hockey has done a lot in the last 15, 20 years to kind of drag our developmental programs into the future. And now we're trendsetters as opposed to OE. I don't feel like we're chasing Canada anymore. Like what we used well, to be like, dear God, let us compete. I, with I, I do want to elaborate before we go on to our next topic on, on okay. this conversation. Um, I do believe that Canada does do proper development and probably the best in the world. USA is not far behind the, the, um, the emergence of the USHL lately, um, the emergence of the, uh, NAHL, which is a, a tier two, um, uh, developmental program has, have, have been great. And you could tell by, um, father of Jack Ashan, Tim Ashan, um, they, those guys, uh, he, his two kids went through the, uh, NAHL and the USHL and so on. It's, it's been, a phenomenal program to go to before you uh, make the transition to uh, NCAA college, you know? Um, but we're getting there. I don't think we're there yet. I'm, and I'm not saying that USA is better than Canada in any way or fashion. It all comes out in the wash with me. It's a very even field uh, in my opinion, yeah. when it comes to how you develop these players and, and how you develop the game that's changing on a year to year basis because it's getting faster. It's getting harder. Uh, you know, you pretty much stick handling in a phone booth and not on a 285 sheet ice. Well, yeah, I'm in no way arguing. That's my whole point though, is it's more even playing field. No longer is it either the Russians or the Canadians dominate the world in right. hockey. They're the, they're the only examples of how to produce. I think Sweden has year after year produced superstars out of their Swedish leagues you know, just de the way they develop. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way, and I'm no way saying Canada isn't awesome at hockey. They are. They're Canada. You know Absolutely. what I mean? But I, I Absolutely. do think that we do live in a way more equal world and opportunity for players, whether it's Canadian kids playing for the NCAA or, you know, things like that. Hockey, it's – the world's gotten smaller <laughs> with technology and stuff over the last 20 years, but also I feel like we've all gotten more dependent on each other. Like, it's important – like no longer do kids just go, I'm going to go to the queue and then I'm playing, you know, or I'm doing that. Like some people do a little here. Some people play Sweden, then they play NCAA a little or whatever kind of, you know, well, maybe not no. exactly that kind of thing. But do you know what I mean? Like there's a couple paths. You might play UCH, USHL, and then you might play the NCAA. So it's just interesting. There's so many different paths to produce these crazy high quality um, players we're seeing today in the new world, right? Like everyone's really now adapted to the faster, quicker, not bigger goony kind of game that not that long ago still existed. And it's, it's interesting to watch because now the world has evolved and I'm just glad that we're real contenders still and <laughs> made it through the other Let side. Let me tell you a little bit of history here, Heather. And I know you know this, but if the uh, YouTube viewers and the, and the audio listeners don't know this, but like the Montreal Canadians, they had the rights to everybody they wanted in, um, in Quebec. Yeah. Like, like uh, Jean Beliveau, um, Guy Lafleur, all these guys, they pretty much like bought the league just to get one player. They had that much power in Quebec. So it's, it, I mean, there's no doubt that Canada puts out tremendous talent. But again, I want to uh, just circle around that to, it, building a team on, on one country's, um, you know, roster and so on is just not, I don't think that's the 
proper narrative to throw attacks and so on that, oh, you need this, you need that. Well, no, you need a freaking GM that could draft properly. You need a GM that could put the roster together. You need a coach that sends a message. There's so many moving uh, factors into all this decision making that doesn't always come out in the in the in the wash at the uh, end of the year. So, yeah, well, where a player's from has nothing to do with if they are right for a system, buy into you know, have good chemistry with their teammates. Like it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Yep. You could put twenty Americans on a team and half of them could hate each other. Like it really doesn't <laughs> matter that way. It just means they might have had more similar. But even Reminds just me within of that a movie. country, right? Like you could. I mean, a kid that's playing hockey in Michigan's hockey experience isn't the same as it is a kid in Maine. It's going to be very similar, but it's a different kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like high school hockey is giant in some places where NCAA is the bigger draw or private schools. Like in our area, we have a lot of very known private schools that are get a lot of attention, Exeter and governor and stuff like that. You know, I mean, actually within like a half hour drive, we probably have six of the top or six to 10. I don't know. We have a lot of very, close prep schools that just are the creme de la creme. I mean, Cushing's like an hour and 10 away, but you know, what do you want to do? Yeah. You got a bunch of players from Boston and Minnesota. Yeah. That's going to work. (laughs) (laughs) I love that movie. Miracle. If you guys didn't get it. Shout out Harvey Brooks. All right. All right. Let's move on to a topic. (laughs) All right. So uh, per, what do we say here? Per Dominic Tiano on Twitter, this is uh, Andre Kasha. We hardly ever knew you. He uh, rumored that there is uh, maybe given to him or will be given to him maybe a show me deal, one year contract. Uh, we, we've barely even seen Kasha. I, I, I'm one of those people who refuse to shit on him or care if he stays or goes just because we haven't seen him. Um, Brett Ritchie commented that he's doing better or something like that. Obviously, Ritchie is probably the Bruin that knows him most because they were teammates in Anaheim. Yes, correct. Uh, but what, what do you think about that? Because I can't be an Andre Kasha hater well, because you can't hate someone who's injured. Do you know what I mean? But I also don't love the idea of signing someone who's been injured for three seasons almost between here and Anaheim. Go First ahead. and foremost, if you're on Twitter, please follow uh, Dom Tiano uh, at Dom Tiano. He does a fantastic job. Um you know, much like puckpedia.com and, and capfriendly.com. But when it comes to with Bruins cap space, relatable uh, information, Dom's a really good guy to do this and, and so on. So he's uh, solid. So give him a follow. Um, not a big fan of this. And, and please, listeners, viewers, it's not about an injured player to me. It's just it's not working out. Is it really worth the risk of bringing it back? Um, I don't believe that the Bruins should offer, give him a qualifying offer because the the qualifying offer that Dom was saying that the Bruins have to at least meet is for Andre to take the deal. This is a little too much for me to, to grasp. Honestly, I really think that the way that the Boston Bruins are going to work over this offseason, that Kasha is a piece that we can move on from and save the roster spot for somebody else, either via trade, either internally from Providence, i.e. Jack Sadika, if you want to bring him up. There's so many avenues that we could we can explore. But I just don't think that this is a good idea to bring an injured player back on because you don't know if he's going to last a whole season. I'm always a, a go for the comeback kid and so on, but mm. – We've seen this too many times in Andre when he's, um, you know, 
trying to get back in the lineup and it, and unsuccessfully it happens because he gets injured again. I just don't, I don't know. I, I, I want to see this guy have a career and continue his career healthy and so on, but I just don't think that should be in Boston. I think that another team should take a flyer on him. Uh, somebody that's got the roster, uh, the cap space and so on and, and willing to take a chance. So it's a no for me, but you know, it's, we're not in the room. We're not doing this and that, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, who knows? They probably will do it because – and then watch him come out and have a 30-goal season and, and everybody shit on me. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's a weird one with Andre Kasha because it really hasn't worked out in Boston. But not in the way of, like, at the beginning of last season, we were kind of all over Richie. Like, what will he do when the season starts? Because what we had seen of him – but more in the, we haven't seen enough of you. So all you can do is focus on the injuries kind of thing. And it's always unfair to like crap on a player for always being injured. But at the same time, what are we doing? Like, what is the point? I think Andre Kasha might've been okay here. I just, obviously he hasn't played. So it does seem ridiculous at this point, given what was, I mean, it was a pretty high qualifying number too, for a guy that has been, just the way I mean, seasons go. You know, he'd be qualified for that, but I, I don't know. Like, uh, if it's hard for me if we're struggling to continue to pay Jake DeBrusque his three million or whatever to give Andre Kasha three million or whatever, four million, whatever the heck it was. It was kind of high. I have Dom's tweet actually. So okay, after missing ahead. pretty much the entire season with a concussion, Andre Kasha knows he won't get his two point six million qualifying offer on the open market. And the NHL Bruins would be foolish to offer it. Agreed on that, Dom. Yeah. There are whispers that he would accept a one-year show-me deal to stay in Boston. Yeah, but so, could that be because he doesn't have value right now? As of now, he doesn't. He doesn't have enough, and it's been so long. He's kind of like Kevin Miller, right? Kevin Miller, like, has had proved his worth a little bit as a defenseman, you know, over his career and stuff. But really. Not many people would have given him the contract the Bruins did. He got that contract because he was a Bruin. It's a team like kind of faithful. Yeah, he worked hard through the organization for Providence to the NHL. Right. And so, but Kasha, we don't have that same loyalty to because, you know, I'm not a Kevin Miller person, but at least he's a Bruin and you can see where you might do that. But in, in all honesty, of that, like, it's that's too much. Like, at least Jake DeBrus, you want to bitch about his three million. At least has played good, bad, or ugly. Has been on the ice mostly, except for the COVID thing. Another thing is is um, if if it does happen and and the Bruins do offer, there's got to be some clause in there that it's there's. I don't think you can do a two way anymore. I think that he's been in the NHL or a member of the National Hockey League so long that you can't yeah. sign him to a two way deal. But he has to understand and that if he doesn't produce that he could be buried in the American hockey league with the Providence Bruins. The suck thing about that Heather listeners and YouTube viewers is that the cap does stick with the Boston Bruins when he does go down to the AHL, there is a percentage that is knocked off. It's not the complete uh, dollar value though. So it, it really doesn't, like it, that's just another avenue that I look at and I'm like, this doesn't make sense to bring them back because we're at a point right now. We're at a juncture right now where the windows open and close, open, close, whatever, that we need all available cap space. 
to get what we need to do, a defenseman, a forward, a goaltender. We need to move forward with all the cap space that we need and put a roster accordingly together to win a championship. Yeah. To me, burying him in the AHL just is wasted money that is just sitting there that you could have used at the trade deadline, say, you know, yeah. that you could have used to get somebody in there. But, oh, you got cock blocked by the damn AHL contract or the movement that's still on your cap. Yeah. Um, I think we're at a crossroads where, like, no shit. They need to figure out what they're doing. They need to start with the core. Like, I understand signing-wise that might not be how you're doing. But you're starting with the core. And in tandem, you can put Taylor Hall in there, right? Like, a big piece like that. That's where most of your money is going to go, obviously. Because you need to have – any team needs to have a solid – core players that have enough experience ideas and talent or whatever to drive any damn team. What they really also need to figure out is like I said, who is actually really going to ever be a Boston Bruin? If not, we need to start dumping some of these. We hoarded prospects and got rid of picks so much for so long, uh, whether we were giving picks away or giving prospects away for like a bag of gum or whatever. Now our pool isn't good enough or deep enough, just generally speaking, not like there isn't anybody good in there, but no longer can we continue to hope and pray. We can't hope and pray that Andre Kasha will be healthy and he might be get healthy and score 20 goals, but you don't know that. Do you know what I mean? Just like with Kevin Mill, you didn't, it was such a low bar for him to jump over to get his money because they knew it would be any higher of a bar that, Guy was probably not going to get his last con, you know, and that was really what that was supposed to be is a last good money contract for him or whatever. But we can no longer hope and pray that Jack Stadnika can be a second line center or whatever. You know, I don't know. Those kids, they move around, but wherever they want to go, you know, just for the same reason, they finally let Andrews Bjork go to Buffalo. That was part of what took to get Taylor Hall here. Great. Good. We love him, and we hope he does well in Buffalo. But that was a crossroads with Bjork, too. It's like, hi, right. you need to show us something. Or... That's my point, though, is that there are certain people that they'll just let them keep showing them and showing and showing them, even though they're not really showing them anything. And then other people, like, you know. So, like, Bjork was the shiny toy, right? But the minute Jack Stadnico was the new shiny toy, Anders Bjork is in the shithouse, right? Wow. Same thing. I just mean, and I'm not saying, and then the same thing happened with Stanika, right? Like you had that's some, why, that's why I over. said, wow. I'm just like, yeah, everybody, just, like so many people saw Jack Stanika when he got drafted at the, at the first development camp. It's like, they need to get this guy in the NHL roster. I was like, wow, that's a kind of a, a fast move there. Let the guy learn a little bit and so on, go back to his junior, get some more experience but then they clam for him to be on the roster and hate the Boston Bruins organization for not keeping him in there. But again, it's like, well, I, and I'm not saying it's a, the end all be all because yeah. I say, I say this and I say that I'm just a, a fan that sees things, but I didn't see anything honest to God that said, Jack got to get in the lineup. Let's go yeah. Don. You know, yeah, he's still a work in progress. He's yeah. going to be a good center no matter what. Sometimes players take longer than others. You do not make the NHL roster all the time when you leave the draft podium. People need to understand that. I understand that too, but I'm also at a point where I also have to understand that half of these people are not going to be NHL centers or left wings or whatever. Again, just like we can't wish and hope that Andre Kasha is going to be great and what, you know what I mean? Whatever a genie out the bottle. Some of these players, I'm sorry, are not going to, 
we can't wait another three years for, I'm just using Jackson Nicker as an example because we just mentioned his name, you know what I mean? Not because I'm actually using him as an example, but like how long can we hope him, Zach Senishin, Senishin, whatever, whoever, whoever you want to name, right? We need to decide. Either you guys are getting pushed good, bad, or ugly, kind of like we had to do with Lazan and Zaboro this year, right? And it was good, bad, and ugly. They all, I would have to say that the both of them, we saw a lot of good things for rookies. We, and I mean, they're still kind of young as defensemen go. We saw a lot of bad things that you're only going to get because you're probably really not ready for your role yet, but you have to have it. And we saw some medium things that half the rest of the defense did too. So maybe there's time to just pick your three favorites, <laughs> shove them in if necessary, and really push for them to add. And if not, use the cap space to go sure it up because we still have a good core, but we continue to spin our wheels in the cycle. So hopefully, you know, this Eli kid or whatever they signed and a few other people they've signed. And we have some people maybe playing somewhere else, you know, because they can't come or whatever, but we need to decide. We cannot keep our 12 favorite pro just because we drafted a player does not mean we have to keep them forever into our prospect till they're 25 and either never going to bloom or reach their peak. That's just my argument. Right. So yeah. So just, <laughs> yeah, just let's, Figure it out like this. And they did announce, I didn't they announce development camp? I don't think we wrote it on the roster, but I think. They oh, they did not. I mean, I mean, we did not. Yeah. <laughs> we did not add it to the first roster. Week of August, I believe. August 2nd to the yeah. 6th. Sixth, I think. Four yeah. days. Uh, that's a Monday through Thursday. So that's I always, hope, always hopefully it. it's open to the public and hopefully we get uh, access again uh, this year to uh go in as um as media members because i, I love development camp you get to know, get to see the uh, kids skate for the first time show their skills uh in front of um boston management but also fans in in attendance uh but also gives us an opportunity to start a relationship with some of these players if they do in fact get to the boston bruins uh nhl level um it's a nice thing to do as a media member so um I I'm not, think saying, not saying we're NHL credentialed. Yeah. I'm not yeah. not saying that. We 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 get invited and, and we get granted access there when we reach out. So we're not we're not. I always just, think it's interesting to watch development camp and then go to like regular training camp if you get a chance because sometimes you're watching the kids. You're like, yeah, man, I like these skills, and then you put them on the ice with like the people you would be competing for NHL contracts with, and it's. It's always interesting. And it's interesting too, to watch some of like, you know, the people who are still considered prospects, what they look like when you have some of these just outsiders come in and they're hustling and you're like, Oh yeah, that, that happened. Remember that there was the, it was not that long ago, but remember like Dan Vladar looked giant. Like when he was on that, you were just like, look at this bad boy, like him and you're out there. Like, Holy shit. We have oh, the yeah. biggest, like, but, and it was interesting. And like, you watch like all three goalies out there together doing things. And it, it's kind of fun to watch, you know, and then you can kind of go, okay, you're going back to wherever you came from. Have fun in college. We'll see you in Providence. And now exactly. we can say maybe we'll see you in Maine if they expand the contracts allowed, of course. All right. So what do we got going here? What's going on? Okay. Um, this was just a quick thing that the NHL awards finished up. Uh, McDavid, you know, whatever. Shocker. Yeah, shocker. Uh, but isn't, what did they say? He's only the second person ever to get 100% uh, yeah, the votes. Votes, yeah. Um, that's interesting. Uh, I'm assuming, I don't know. I'm assuming Gretzky was the other person, is it? I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, but 
that was interesting. But interesting to me was more uh, for us. Uh, Brad Marchand made first all-star again on the first all-star team, which that's because everybody secretly loves Brad. Because <laughs> he's everybody. freaking awesome. He is. And if you hate and him, that- you'd love him on your team. Yeah, so even if they don't want to vote him totally for Hart, that means that a lot of people out there do recognize he is one of the top 10 superstars in the league. And even people who really hate him, I don't think, um, don't respect him for his skill set. They just disres- they just don't respect him for all the other bullshit that he pulls or used to pull at times. But he did end up top five voting for Hart. He had uh, like 124 votes or something like that, or points or whatever stupid system they have. <laughs> they have the stupidest system for awarding these awards. Like really, yeah. <laughs> just this year, this year, this year above anything else has been all fucked up when it comes to voting for awards, in my opinion, because yeah. you weren't like, <laughs> I, I don't get it because teams, other teams in the league weren't able to really physically see what's going on in other divisions yeah. because of the, the, the whole segregation into one area of the league where you played each other all the time. Yeah. Those votes, honestly, to me, were a fucking wash. Unless yeah. you were in the league, in the division and a part of the media, part of the freaking uh, management staff that were able to vote and blah, 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 then is your vote really valid if you're, like, covering the L.A. Kings and you never see Boston Bruins hockey? Yeah. Well, I think it's an interesting argument that maybe for this year they might have made it that each division, like, whoever is nominating, all the awards have different who votes for them, you know, but if whoever within that orbit of that division voted and then you had X amount of finalists. So each division sent two. So there's eight. And then so many people voted on who the top three were or whatever. That would have made more sense in some of these. But that's, does that it, took a lot of criticism this in these awards. Yeah. A, a lot of people are pissed about the awards this year. Oh, yeah. Like, um, the way that. Yeah. Double hands like, up. Also, I don't think like, uh, and if even if you're going to argue like no offense, and obviously I'm not a professional hockey writer. I am not in there like whatever, but it seems bullshit to me if 90% of the votes are coming from one news, like quote unquote sports, sports media, media group. That's stupid to me. That does not represent. Are you calling out the athletic? I'm not <laughs> just them specifically. It just, they're not, it, it goes through cycles right now. It's the athletic has a shit ton of the voting. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure it will. Well, shift. it's the PWHA too. You know right. what I mean? That's and a lot I mean, of those though, members work for the athletic. For the athletic, right. So it's almost like just because they happen to be kind of the big conglomerate right now, they get – and it's fair. I mean, just like you can argue, okay, so Tampa Bay didn't break any actual rules by having $30 million extra dollars on the cap or whatever. That's fine. We'll talk about that later. The athletic didn't actually do anything wrong. I, I understand. They just happen to have a larger voting membership. But it seems weird to me like that – so that means all you're doing really is verifying all the things that you've already said throughout the year that I think Brad, like I've been saying, Brad Marchand should be in top three. You, all you're doing is just agreeing with your own self and your colleagues of like, yep, we were right. We were right. Krill won. He did, you know, whatever. Um, 
yeah. So anyways, caught So yeah, that's it's shady to me. But uh, yeah. So Brad had one thirty four. That's what he ended up with points. He didn't have any first place vo- votes, I don't think. But he had a couple second, mostly fourth and fifth place. Uh, and Pasta was tied with you know. There's always the people rounding out the top twenty, but it's really seven people tied for number twenty. Uh, but Pasta did get one vote for the Hart Trophy too. But uh, we always say this like, no, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. But it's hard to argue against. Connor McDavid. He's awesome on that one. Um, right. Charlie McAvoy also finished fifth in voting for the Norse. Norris, yeah. everyone's mad. I, I think that Charlie McAvoy gets more love throughout the league than I think people have realized yet, just because he is young. Um, I am in no way trying to disparage Adam Fox. I think of the three nominees, he certainly earned his whatever. Um, but you're not going to tell me Dougie Hamilton is a better player than Charlie McAvoy. All this award is doing now is reinforcing to me the catch 22 of it's now the Victor Hedman syndrome, right? Anybody who isn't a Victor Hedman that good offensively. And even though he's better offensively than defensively sometimes, but he's more a complete player, right? The rounded defenseman that we're talking about. This goes back to there needs to be two fucking awards for the defenseman. If there are nine million awards that mostly the forwards win, and I know it's not million, it's like nine, but nine of them. It does not make sense that you don't have the Norris Trophy be the best defensive defenseman. And then you have another award. We'll call it the Victor Hedman Award or whatever, the best offensive defenseman. Or yeah. we'll name it the Tory Krug Award or whatever kind or, of thing. Or the you know, Ray the, Bork Award. Right. This right. But still, though, to me, like Ray is that more like well-rounded. But the meaning, like the way the Nor- the Norris was back in Ray's day, you were the best all-around defenseman, the best yeah. defensive defenseman, as well as the I mean, Ray Bork, even in his own time, was a freak when it came to offense. Like most defensemen did not produce the way he did. You know, he was way ahead of his time as for like the well-rounded. Uh, but yeah, it just can we break up this award for the defense? Yeah. Can we break uh, it up? I'm all for changing the name, anything. So I'm I'm more or less like I want, you know, the captaincy. I got a point. I'm bad at pointing on this, on this thing. Yeah. Uh, the captain Ray Bork uh, award. Let's yeah, get rid of the captain. Norris because the Norris family were shit bags. They treated this league and its players like crap. This is this exactly one. this is one of the reasons why the um players association happened with uh Ted Lindsay and Detroit, Detroit Red Wings and so on. I get that. But we've had this argument. I know, but I'm, is, I'm talking to the any, listeners and the this viewers. Is for any argument for anybody out there, anything, and it has to do with history. Stop superimposing our modern day values on times that have passed. Yeah, exactly. Because good, bad, or ugly, and there's a lot of ugly in the past, right? So, like, I know you have an issue with Jack Adams, rightfully so, right? I'm not yeah. saying it's not argue to, it's not right to argue some of these shit bags, but at the same time, that was the error. Those promoters in that day, those team owners, that's how it was, right? And now we don't have owners like that anymore. Because what would happen? One player could tweet it out, and the house would burn down, right? Uh, I always think of the who was that crazy racist guy with L.A. Clippers? He was like this racist white guy on the Clippers. Oh my god, the owner! Yeah, do you remember that? And like, yeah, yeah, he probably got fired because there are codes of conduct now of how owners have to conduct themselves, and uh, management does when they're dead. That doesn't mean I think those people weren't shitty, but we also can't erase them from the um, foundations of said sport. So let's analyze them as they should be, but let's also, we can't go back and make people not be 
less racist or less assholes or whatever it is. Like that's, we can't go back to 1925 and be like, look, you little shit bags <laughs> forming this league. We'd like you to not, you know, let it be a big deal still, even in 2020, you know what I mean? If we draft an African-American player, can we just make it? We're drafting the best players and it not be a big deal kind of thing. That's just uh, that, but you always do that. But anyways, Charlie McAvoy, I think he's making a lot of noise, not just here and his. He'll get a Norris sooner or later. Or I like that though. Well, why don't we? How about we compromise? We can keep the history, right? The Norris Trophy, even though a lot of these trophies were invented in the last forty years, and we could really name them whatever we wanted. They just were picking like, and then like you said, make an offensive defenseman award called the. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'll talk to the the athletic uh, and see if we can swing a deal with all those (laughs) members that vote. Yeah, we got it. (laughs) But uh, anyway, it is our, our, our half midway point where we um, where we bring on our friend Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia to talk about the things that he has on sale in his collection when it comes to Boston Bruins items, hand-signed items from former and current players from the Boston Bruins organization. So we will hear from Bruce and be right back. <laughs> Hello Bruins fans, this is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our black and gold memorabilia moment of the week. It's Bruins Puck Week. Grab your autographed and inscribed Bruins Puck starting at just $28. Andy Moog, four-time All-Star, $28. Terry O'Reilly, 2,095 penalty minutes, $34. Johnny Busick, NHL Top 100, $34. Brad Park, Hall of Fame inscription, $34. Derek Sanderson, 1970 commemorative puck, inscribed 1970 and 72 Stanley Cup champs, $39. Phil Esposito, Hall of Fame, 1984 inscription, $55 or your choice of Bobby Orr autographed pucks. Flying goal, 50-year anniversary, or rookie puck for just $125. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! What's up, Bruins fans? We are back. We just heard from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Please, like he said in the uh, commercial, please go to the Facebook and uh, give him a follow. Give the page a follow. Uh, Follow the group. He does so many different things, all different sports. He has a great collection of hand-signed stuff. Or send him an email. Definitely send him an email and see if he's got anything or he can get in touch with somebody to get you a product. He's good like that. So, um, but anyway, we're back. We're going to be diving into some more Boston Bruins news and a little um, unfortunate news uh, coming into the, uh, into the week. Uh, there's going to be some changes on the bench uh, and including uh, a value, in my opinion, a valued member when it comes to, the, the translation of the game to a younger member and uh, a real good um, developmental coach, in my opinion, is Jay, Jay Pandolfo. I think he's done a fantastic job with the Boston Bruins organization. 
But uh, unfortunately, he's going on to greener pastures. He, uh, uh, the Burlington, Massachusetts native, is heading uh, back to his alma mater, Boston University Terriers. So, uh, congratulations to Jay, Jay and um, you know, a tremendous person. I've had the uh, opportunity to talk to him several times uh, during Bruins development camps when I was uh, invited as a as a media member. And um, yeah, he's just he's just a real class act, you know. And he knows the game. Just retired not too long ago in 2014. So, yeah, uh, the, yeah, the coach, the coaching thing is is obviously in his blood, and he wants to get better at it. So, um, I'm not saying he did a terrible job with the Boston Bruins, but maybe um, going back and starting again and 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 trying to get to a coaching role is in his future. And I think that that's a definite possibility. So. I think sometimes, too, people who have the coaching mind like to change it up every now and then, too. Uh, and they kind of do go from being, like, developed, you know, in the AHL or whatever and bounce back and forth uh, every now and then because I think it expands their um, their coaching resume in the way that they get to be students of the game from different aspects and they can see how the young kids are doing it versus, you know, like Jay Pendolfo is a good example because he, he hasn't been retired that long. Right. So some of the people who are playing today were his peers and he can gauge how things are changing, but, you know, say you go back to, uh, you know, go to BU as alma mater, go back, you know, and which at least I'm happy he's going to be you. Like, that's all I could think. Well, like at least, yeah. I mean, it'll be good I for knew them. I like this you know, one. Coach. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a homeboy. Um, I worked with a guy that used to coach him at like youth hockey when he was little. And they always call it the Jay Pendolfo rule. Like I understand everybody thinks their kids going to the NHL from the Knights, but unless they're Jay Pendolfo, they're not like, <laughs> unless you are that much more elite than those around you every single year, you're not going to be able to tell if an eight year old, you know, if you're eight year old skating with the 12 year olds and they're sticking out because they're better then we'll talk other than that just let your kid be a squirt chill out they're not jay pendolfo that's what he used to say uh, and he used to crack me up. but anyways i've never heard anything bad about jay pendolfo as a teammate as a coach anything else and uh good for bu they're picking up a good guy but yeah it, it's kind of interesting like do you have any thoughts on who might be coming in um i don't well there's a there's a lot of rumors floating around um and a lot of them are gravitated towards the the jump from um, the AHL to the NHL, and somebody that Bruce Cassidy worked with most recently down in Providence, and that's Jay Leach. Um, Jay Leach is a has been a fantastic coach. Just look at the record in the past in, in his tenure since um, taking over the bench boss. You know his his win loss record is impeccable at that level. Um, and he, he relates so well to younger players, Zach Sinishin and, and, and Jack Sidnika and so on. When they get the call up, he is in their mentions because he's so impactful to these younger players and a key asset to the Bruins middle depth development. Um, and I think he'd be a great candidate. I, but the thing is, is he's a defensive coach. And, uh, you know, Bruce Cassidy is is predominantly a defense, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he also knows the game all around, all, all you know, 12 skaters and, and, and six defensemen, whatever. Um, so it, that that is weird. I think that 
uh, Leach could get it because he's gotten so much attention from the NHL level when the, when other organizations are looking for coaches. Because uh, you hear it from Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman that Jay Leach is in the mix when it comes down to interviews. And, yeah, and why say, not? Heard his name a lot, right? Yeah, and why he's not? Because he's a, kind of- yeah, and and Arizona, and he's been most recently with Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. When they were looking for their, uh, you know, bench boss, he was involved. And he also, uh, Leach also has a um, um, a relationship with the Pittsburgh organization because he, uh, I believe, was an assistant with the uh, Wilkes-Barre Grant Penguins. So, they, you know, there's, it, there's uh, in-house scouting on 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 his coaching character. But I'm, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So, uh that's weird. But if Jay Leach gets the job, who's next down in Providence? Is it is it yeah. Trent Whitfield, former um, you know, Bruins member organization, but predominantly a Providence Bruins player and uh and journeyman throughout the uh American Hockey League. Trent's a great guy too. You know, he's got good uh you know offensive structure when it comes to the to the coaching staff. Um and Ryan Mulgren is also another one that, that is a tremendous coach, but you know, who knows uh, what goes on down there. Um, I, I, I don't want to say, you know, people should jump over opportunities when it comes to seniority, but mm-hmm. I'm hearing a lot of Chris Kelly talk, mm-hmm. even at the NHL level to come in and take over for Jay Pandolfo's um, um, spot, or Chris Kelly could be the um, assistant coach to Trent Whitfield or flip it around. Chris Kelly could be the head coach of the um, Providence Bruins in the future. So, and there's so many moving parts when it comes down to something like this, but it gives an opportunity for somebody that deserves it. And right now, in my opinion, I think Jay really deserves it just because this team is going to get younger sooner or later. I think Bruce Cassidy relates better to younger players these days. And I think that a staff that can do that as well, like Jay Leach and, and, and how many players Jay saw at, at the Providence level that are now in the NHL it's just a great relationship that's so relatable when it comes down to this topic. So who knows? It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I'm just throwing it out there. It's a Dano Chara. That's a big hell. Just, no. Cause what, you don't think he'll eventually be in the front offices and the Bruins oh, eventually the sooner or later, but like, like, let's just, I don't know. <laughs> Another name that's thrown being thrown out there. And I'm not going to mention who and what site, but I will say, because I don't, do it for competitive because they don't do it for us um is uh mark savard mark yeah. savard is a good power play good you know special teams kind of coach that could yeah. you know do something like that i'm just saying that it's, it's a possibility of a player like that i'm not sure if a defensive def- i'm not sure if a defenseman in the nhl either returning or previous like like chara would would yeah. fill that role where um, a coaching like a forward, you know, Pandolfo was a forward. He relates so much better to the forwards. Yeah, I can't see a defenseman coming in that just barely retired, and 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 teaching structure to forwards. I would yeah. think that there'd be a more defensive role for him. And um, you know, that's that's Kevin Dean right now. Kevin Dean is your defensive coach. You know? Yeah. Well, that's what I meant more. Is um, I mean, I would think at some point he will probably be somewhere probably an eventual GM of this team. You know what I mean? Just he's yeah. got business mind and everything. I just thought for like a first coaching adventure, Mark Savard, you know, you're preaching to the choir with Mark Savard. I know. I, think that he's I know. There. 
But I do know that part of the reason he left St. Louis is because with his kids getting older and them having their draft years and stuff coming, you know, and just the level kind of reinvesting. It's a lot. It's a lot. Not yeah. only as a player of Savad's so kid's age, but as yeah. a parent. Yeah. So I'm not sure if he, like at this time, would be the one coming in. Chris Kelly, to me, seems like an interesting choice because – um, he has had some roles around the league, you know, working with younger players and stuff. Obviously, he had plenty of experience. And to me, that's part of eventually I keep joking. Eventually, the whole 2011 team will have some kind of role in the Bruins oh, organization. Shit. But I mean, if you want to keep that culture, who's better to have it than the people who set the standards of the culture? And there was another there. part of reason I half jokingly brought up Zidane Chari, you know, like bring them back. And just then we get another cycle of generation of these people who are really in. I think Leach is interesting too, because I mean, him, if he bumped, you know what I mean? Like if he moved up and we had a new Providence coach is when Claude, when, when Jay came in and, you know, whatever, Cassidy bumped up with Claude, right? You had kind of the clear path. You knew Leach was going to be here and you knew that Cassidy, if things, whether it worked out with Claude or not a year or two, see who knows, but like Cassidy was the right guy to be, Claude Julian and you know Claude probably had some say in that too you know what I mean like if you're going to pick someone from down here we want to bring them up to kind of groom you know um but there's not such a clear path after Jay Leach you know like there there isn't that next groomed kind of in our system but there are a lot of good choices even within the system that maybe could be given the shot you know even if it's just to see what happens I don't know we'll see I was only half joking about Chara but eventually he probably is gonna GM this team can't yeah. wait to see him at his first draft all right I will, I will say regardless of of who the coach is gonna be I I with this myself along with other media members that cover the Providence Bruins I have seen Chris Kelly in the, the um Providence um uh suites along with other members of Boston Bruins staff, along with Adam McQuaid. So mm -hmm. I, I I look to see uh, Chris Kelly making more of a, a role uh, this season, along with the announcement that Adam McQuaid is probably going to join the developmental um, coaching staff as a either a consultant or um, or a full-time member. So All right, so check, should be check. cool. Quaid and Kelly, check, check. We've had Peverly around a few <laughs> here and there and everywhere. Yeah. I'm telling you, check the boxes. So Savad will be here eventually. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. All right. So anyways, good luck, Jay Pandolfo. We hate to lose you, but glad to have you. This one's a weird one for me. I don't know. Like, it just causes panic in my heart. But uh, St. Louis Blues are actively shopping around Vladimir Tarasenko. Should the Bruins take a yeah, buy low? Flyer on the Russian winger who has had the two years remaining on his contract, 7.5 mil a year. Um, this is a spicy one to me. I don't know. I always want them to make a big move, but I kind of need them to make some moves before they make a big move. So I know what their direction they're heading. What do you think? Do you think that Tarasenko might be one of those too big to take on? Um, one thing about him, he's, he has had a few injuries, but like, man, when that kid is clicking, he is a sight to watch. He just does everything right. He's just so good at what he does when he's healthy. So this is a hard one for me. Actually, I, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this topic up because, um, uh, returning black and gold hockey.com writer, Spencer Lindsay, uh, who took, uh, I think a couple of years off to do the schooling thing. And then, uh, contacted me again and said he wanted to get, be back on the team. 
And uh, he was welcomed with open arms, and he's been doing a fantastic job in his return. So shout out Spencer Lindsay. Give him a follow at Dispenser8, I think. It's something at Dispenser. Uh, Sorry, Spence. Oh, actually, wait a minute. At Dispenser88. I knew I had the eight right. Close. uh, But he, he... you know, wrote an article about the idea of of um, trying to buy low on a trade for um, Tarasenko, who's got two years left, real high cap hit. That AAV is probably the one that that really makes me nervous, regardless of of his constant sh- shoulder surgeries that he's had, uh, upper body. Let's put it that way. Maybe the shoulder was a reach for me, um, but still, it's. I mean, it's not a bad idea because we've seen what type of player Tarasenko can be, that threat and so on. But what are we going to get? And, and it's just such a roll of the dice when it comes down to this. Um, can Saint, The only thing I would say is can St. Louis retain some of that cap to make it happen if they want to get rid of his contract that bad? It might not be a bad idea, but the weird thing about him to me – being on the roster is he's a left shot mm-hmm. and is he going to want to come here when we already have a second line and third line solidified with hall hopefully hall return and marchand is he going to want to be that third line guy so we can increase the depth and and take an take a flyer on him but i'm not sure you know st louis is going to want to retain the salary or and they might even like over ask for him I don't know. It's hard because he's not the kind of player that is a third line left shot. Like he's just not. And if you're going to swing that big, that means you better make sure he's got two players that are worth his caliber of talent too, or it doesn't work. You know, like that's why he partly why he works in St. Louis is because St. Louis, he's a building block. He's part of their core. You know what I mean? And they surround him with people who, shore him up instead of, you know, you don't want to create now Tarasenko's the new David Krejci struggling to carry, like, you know, like that's a lot to ask a superstar to be a third line winger without any help. And currently we don't, even if we kept Hall, you, like you said, now you're looking, he has to be the third line. What are you going to do? Drop Hall to the third line or drop Brad Marshall? I doubt it. Now listen, listen, I'll throw something at you right now. I would only do this deal. And I'm, and I do understand his, his injury history. I get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not worried. But too if much about if that. if Don Sweeney could swing pretty much the same what he got for Taylor Hall here, mm-hmm. that's not bad. That like like say a third round pick in Sean Corrali right now. I know Sean Corrali is going to be an unrestricted free agent uh, mm-hmm. later on this summer. We get it. But if we were doing the trade right now, if you were going to trade Sean Corrali, much like you did Anders Bjork for Hall. You know, you throw in that in a draft pick and it gets done and man, St. Louis eats up oh four million of that. <laughs> I mean, that'd be great. Yes. Yeah, I would take I would definitely take yeah. a flyer on that. But I just that seven five AAV with what we're trying to do and get healthier players, more players that are in the lineup consistently to try to pitch in during the regular season and the playoffs. That's what we need here. And it, it's such a roll of the dice, but it's not a bad idea, you know? That to me, though, is more like you got to pick your poison. Are you trying to get Hall? Or are you going to yeah. trade for Vladimir? Like, there is no way they're eating four mil of that contract. They're just not. 
part of the reason they need to shed the contract is they don't have the money to eat that these giant contracts. I've heard, I've do. heard the most that they'll try to eat, and this is just hearsay from close to the organization stuff that they'll eat up to two million of it. Yeah, because I mean that's a hard ass to ask any team. Buffalo did it because they're desperate, freaking like fire. Yeah. Like, they need yeah, to, and they're probably gonna lose Jack Eichel too because at this point, you know what I mean. And then, yeah, I mean. Buffalo sadly is going to be an even worse mess next year because now Hall didn't even last a full half a damn seat. It wasn't even a full season and he didn't even last the whole time there. And word is Jackie boy wants out of town, you know, hardcore. Uh, one of the Rasmus has already said they're not sticking around for another rebuild. This like the third rebuild since you drafted me kind of shit. Like I'm all set. Like, I don't know, but so they're St. Louis, although they got to shed some cap, they are not desperate in the way that Buffalo is like our team is an all around sucky team that, it, that has good players, but just like management is not allowing this team to become a good team. Like every time they get a coach, they like they get rid of them. But St. Louis isn't quite at that point. I don't know. It just is. a. I don't know if it's just because, you know, in my dream world that Krejci and Hall would be back. So I don't know if it's like, would be nice. and I know it's kind of independence, more money when thinking about signing Krejci, not positional with him, but Taylor Hall, it is a positional thing, you know, and now you're taking someone else when you already have this one guy that, you know, has some chemistry with who's there, but at the same time, do you have the same chemistry if you don't re-sign Krejci, but you re-sign Hall kind of thing? Do you take your chances? Cause like, again, Tarasenko is one of the best forwards in the league when he's healthy, you know, just oh, point wise. He's on, man. Just, Damn. He is, but it's like, do you take the risk? Cause every time we take that risk, we get burnt in the ass. So it's like, am I scared to do it because of that? And we're or, not, we're not making fun of injuries or anything like that. No, no, no. We would never it's do just, that. We have no luck with that. Yeah, but it reminds just, you of, it reminds you of the Nash deal. Yeah. First like, round pick. Player. Uh, Lindgren, the defenseman, promising defenseman. He's going to have a great career. That guy is a freaking truck, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 unfortunately, we lost out on a great on a great right right winger that had a great career, you know. Yeah. And, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, much like David Backus, it didn't end the way that yes, it, you know how it started. How's it going? You know, exactly. Uh, now, uh, yeah. So it's like hard for me just as a Bruins fan because I feel like we always get bit on the ass with these kind of deals with all good intentions. I think maybe that's why I'm so happy Taylor Hall, like, you know, was a Bruin for, you know, eight weeks or whatever and didn't sustain a major injury and actually got yes. to go through, you know, and, uh, and look great. Gave us some hope, but I guess maybe it's more, I go back to that's a lot of cap. Even if they eat two mil, they're yeah. going to probably, if they're eating $2 million, they're going to want more than a busted down Sean Corrali and a pick probably. And well, you're going to have to move cap to, to, to get it yeah, and, and, and then still address so many different needs. Yeah. And again, like it, say you do go, like you really want to go for it and you want to figure out how to cram those two players. Are you going to have centers worthy of Hall and Tarasenko? Are you not going to bother with Hall then? Uh, even if you can convince David Krejci to take $3 million, that's still not saving the cap in the end, you know, like, okay, so you're getting like seven points. So we're going to trade Krejci 7.5 that in, Anything you can say what you want, love Krejci, not love David Krejci. I think you know where me and Blackie land on that. But David Krejci <laughs> is consistent. Krejci Island. Like maybe he doesn't score as many goals. So if he's not scoring as many goals for you, he's still giving you that many assists, which is fundamentally his job as a center, right? True. And he's still one of your top point getters. 
it, he's consistent. You know what you're getting with David Krejci. We don't know what we're getting with Vladimir Tarasenko for the same rate, like injury, maybe not injury. Like at least we know when right. Krejci gets injured, we know what to expect from him after things like that. And I just, there's like too many parts that could go wrong. I don't know. Like a sure thing. What if we don't try to re-sign Hall and then we go for Tarasenko and then there's not the chemistry, you know? <laughs> on the same on the team. And it also goes back to, I just don't think you can ask a player of that caliber uh, to play on a third line with Jake DeBrusque and, uh, you know, Lazar or whatever. Like it just seems. No, good point. Hard, you know, so that's my thoughts. I do love Vladimir Tarasenko though, but we don't, we don't sign Russians. It's not, they won't do it. anyway. We don't draft them either. The last one was Pavel Shannon. That was a big mistake. Obviously didn't freaking uh, stick around. He's, he wanted out of his contract. So, uh, speaking of on Shen. Yeah. yeah, speaking of contracts, money, and so on, these two gentlemen are always in the mix when it comes to league politics, um, money, revenue, and and all that stuff. So, Heather, why don't you take this one away because this is one of your topics that you brought in. Yeah, it's just Gary Bettman and Bill Daly gave their little uh, press conferences this week. You know, most of it was some of the same. You know, we know the cap's not going anywhere, this and that. But this annoyed me. A couple things annoyed me. One, I the debate about the Olympics is still up in the air. And you can tell Gary really doesn't want them to be able to do it, but he's doing it because he promised the players he'd fair negotiate it, which sounds like I'm going to cock block that no matter what we can work out with the IOC. Again, I think that that's the biggest honor you can have. And I think it's unfair that the players don't get to participate. I don't think it's going to be the end all be all if we have to send our amateurs over or anything like that to represent the countries. I just think it's unfair to deny Alex Ovechkin, his last chance to compete on team and things like that. That bothers me. Uh, And also get it together because the Winter Olympics are in like six months or something at this rate, you know, like uh, figure it out. Um, But his tone definitely is Gary does not like this. He doesn't want it. And he only agreed to think about it just to get the players in the fucking bubble. Like, do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Bill Daly on the other Bill Daly to me is like someone I feel like shoots straighter and kind of says more. Uh, he's more not accessible, but he doesn't seem as whiny. Like he seems yeah. more of like a ground. Yeah, he's more than just the freaking lottery draft guy. Right. So he <laughs> he seems to be like, oh, more sa- pretend sound hopeful about it. But what really bothered me about Gary Bettman, besides everything about Gary Bettman bothers Heather on most days and most other people as well. Uh He doesn't think there's anything wrong with what Tampa did this year with the cap. Okay. And I'm not whining about it because whatever, you know, whatever I am whining about because I think it's shitty. Like you're, you're shit bags. Now, now I, I can't respect you as a team before I was like, dude, look at this awesome team you put together. Now you're being dicks about it. And now I have lost our listeners and viewers know that we've now moved to a rated R. Yeah. This is the part where I have (laughs) I don't know if it's Gary Bettman or the Tampa Bay Lightning that are triggering my naughty mouth, but but so he doesn't think anything's wrong with that. And Gary doesn't see anything wrong with the officiating. So I ask you, Mark. Oh, yeah. Have you in the last 30 years figured out what in the goes on in Gary Bettman's head? Because I do not. I do not. I do not either. And this is exactly why we need to get Greg Wyshynski on because he has the best Bettman voice. When he's shitting on him. So no, he uh, I'm a whiny little bit. I hate I Gary. Know, I know. Every time I want to like you, maybe Gary, I just can't do it because you're Gary. 
Yeah, I, the the whole officiating thing was a little off. I mean, we're all seeing it as fans, and they're not they're not seeing it as managers of a league, uh, and who should be overseeing all this stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's a department that oversees this stuff, but never communicates to the top when it comes to you know stuff like this to to Batman. Um, but you know, I just saw it the other night in this uh, Stanley Cup series that. Um, Shea Weber hacked the back of a leg or or the back of, uh, of a lightning player. And that player literally went dropped to the ice in pain and then slid right to the referee's feet. And the referee never raised his arm. Saw it, right. the whole thing. And you can see in, in the replays, you can see it on the video, the vision path was there and didn't make the call. And, and I'm like, this noted is, dirty, this like so I said, fast. notable dirty player, Shea Weber. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he was behaving badly, but he gets $5,000 fine on it. Like, how many fines can we give out without calls on the ice this season? But this Heather, the, the, uh, the point about, I'm sorry, the point about this whole thing is the, the referee sucks. didn't make the call on the ice, but yeah. got preceded by the league who reviewed yeah. the video and gave Shea a $5,000 fine. That should have been called on the ice if it went to that far measure. Really. It shouldn't have had to be a fine. It should have been a call on the ice. Because yes. players will behave badly. That's why we have the rules, okay? should not, have been a slash. Mayweather did not. Right. It should have been a slash. That wasn't something that warranted the, to get to a fine. That should have been a fucking slashing call. That happens all the time. They're jerks, which they're not supposed to do. You should get called for that because you can hurt another player. You also don't have to be so fucking dramatic about it every time something happens to you on the ice. Tampa Bay, I'm looking at you. you know. But at the same time, not 24 hours later, Nikita Kucherov, who has been so hurt he couldn't possibly step on the ice until May 9th or whatever... <laughs> Fucking making a line chain and just oh, you're not supposed to do that. That's a rule. Everybody can see it. He doesn't get called, does he? Fucking hooks a dude's hip. He goes down, not not a fucking call on anything and no supplemental. So this goes back to the officiating fucking sucks. I mean, again, not notable big mouth Bruce Cassidy got a five thousand dollar fine for what he said. We've no, had 25. A 25. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. And then we've had yeah. the league. We've had a team in the league. The Rangers get a fucking quarter million dollar fine mouthing off about officiating. and shit. Oh, yeah. Get the clue. This is what Batman does. It's like when people criticize player safety. You are like the refs on the ice. If the officials don't keep control of the game and everybody knows you go hard the first 10 minutes of the game, you set the goddamn standard. Because if you let the standard be, you can get away with anything. By the time they're really heated in the third, you're getting slashes from Shea Webb, this and that. Yeah. But you've already lost control and then they just don't even bother controlling it. That's stupid. Same thing with Gary Bettman. You're like the officials on the ice. You can't wait until everyone, fans, owners, coaches are so pissed they're jumping all over the officiating. You can see how bad the officiating is. You don't double down on that shit. You are the person running the league. You get that shit together. You make officiate, you know, whatever the department of officiating or whatever the hell it's called, figure it out. Just like with when perhaps we don't know, but it's rumored that Paros did not want to suspend Wilson for the Carlo thing. Yeah. You know, either. Batman or Daly or someone got a call from the Jacob is like, I don't can think so, right? 
And they intervened clearly because he got the suspension. You know what I'm saying? You can do that. You actually have the power to hire the people to be in charge to make it right. But instead, year after year, and especially in the playoffs, and this year it wasn't even, normally it's like it's the playoffs where the officiating suddenly sucks really bad when it most counts. But all this 52-6 game season and all this playoffs, there has not been a single game where you wouldn't say there were a few times where you're like, dude, you can see it. You're staring right at the play. Why aren't you making a call? And you know me, I'm a fair is fair. Like, I want my players called for dangerous type shit too. Like, I don't want people getting injured. It's stupid. And But what are you going to do? If you don't do anything and you're letting grown men with fucking weapons in their hands slash and hack and trip and smash each other, eventually you're going to end up with a Corey Perry bleeding in his face and this and that, you know, like it... But that Kucherov thing particularly fucking bothered me. And I love Nikita Kucherov, but I'm like, you shady little shit. You know what I would have done? If I'm going to get fined, I'm surprised the player he knocked down didn't get fined for touching Nikita Kucherov. Like, you know what I mean? Because, man, I would, like, Montreal, they're on their last breath, dude. But if I were them, I would just pound the shit out of any of their key players just to make them have some pain. So keeping, keeping... Keeping you fresh and, and ready to roll on this one. We might as well keep the Nikita Kucherov things going because you're coming in red hot and I love it. But this is new. So I have a tweet right here that I'm going to read from you. And I, I know that you saw it, uh, Heather. But the um, let me uh, look. This is from Gord Miller. Uh, that's G at G Miller TSN. Um so you know TSN's pretty pretty predominant. They don't get people in there that just uh, blurt shit out. But he says starting next year for any postseason game, the combined AAVs of a team's twenty man roster—that's eighteen skaters plus two goaltenders—may not exceed that season's salary cap. Teams can still have extra players available if needed but the game roster can't exceed the cap. So that shady stuff that you were talking about earlier in the season when Nikita Kucherov and and players like Stamkos were off the roster for a majority of the season, if not everything. And then like Kucherov was able to come back 12 days before the postseason started and practice with the team leading up to the playoffs where he didn't need to be cap compliant or his dollar value AAV was not needed. You made a good point too, when that happened about um, players, if you're on the IRL or whatever, or LTR or whatever you're listed as should not be able to skate with the group. No. Until they're cleared to a certain, and when you're cleared to a certain, your AAV should kick you, back in. And, and I'm not going to take the credit for this one. I'm going to give it yeah. back to Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman. They yeah. brought this up, too, and said, you should be able to like rent a rink and practice on your own, mm-hmm. but not in a team aspect, because you're yeah. a team member at that point. And I know the salary cap doesn't do practices in freaking postseason, but still, right. it's a team event. Consider it a team event moving forward. And I think that that might be what's going on here is there, even though the league is allowing it post 2005 CBA for things like this to happen. I think they're now biting themselves in the ass saying now teams are taking advantage of it and we need to stop it now because this is this news 
has reached like many GMs. We talked about it not too long ago, Heather, when yeah. I brought the tweet up that says several, I don't know, I, I don't remember who it was, but several GMs on Twitter mentioned that or, or in, to the league that they weren't happy because of this was happening. And believe it or not, it was from teams that the Tampa Bay Lightning didn't even play in this yeah. season. Yeah, because turnabout's fair play. Like, if we knew that, we could have fucking gone out and signed somebody at the trade deadline that was injured, but, like, would be uninjured in two weeks, you know, whatever, the month after. Well, this year was three weeks or whatever, really, after the trade deadline to the end of the season. It was a lot closer or whatever. But, I mean, it's not... Everybody... Every team does shady shit. I don't pretend like they don't. Everybody's trying to circum uh, circumvent the cap, do whatever. But to do it this blatantly and to, like, piss in the other team's fate, like, this is the type of league that only exists if the GMs are all on board with the same uh, general rules. And it's not fair to the teams trying to mostly play by the rules or the closest to the rules as they can. This is a blatant, like, fuck off, look at us defend our Stanley Cup <laughs> with our fucking 9000 bazillion dollar... I know I'm being dramatic, but to me, I, I, I like I said to you earlier, I think it cheapens this cup run. Last year, I was all on board for it was a real playoff and it was a real cup win. This year, I think Tampa's doing a lot of things that make me di like I can't not like I'd say I respected them before, but you would look at Tampa and be like, look at this fucking example of how to build a team. You know what I mean? How to keep the cap. Like, you know, just because you oversigned too many fucking people on your way to be Stanley Cup champions doesn't mean you now get to fucking go over it just to do it again. It just cheapens it a little. Like, and also, like I said, they don't get called for shit. Do you know how many penalties that they should get called for? Yeah. And they don't. And it's just stupid. Yeah, it's been a tough postseason. All yeah. right. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, this is not a good one at all. Uh, we wouldn't be um, a decent podcast or without talking about it. Um, mm -hmm. But it, we wanted to wait until news became more prevalent. And and uh, there's a lot of write, uh, a few writers out there, Katie Strang and um, and somebody else. I, I, I wish I rem remembered these names. You happen to remember the names? I do not. I'm looking right now because I think they should get their credit. Yeah, Katie Strang um, and uh, another Chicago beat writer uh, actually broke the news, and it's becoming more prevalent with with investigation news and so on. But um, what happened in 2010 against Chicago Blackhawks and a member of the organization, more more notably a player, um, is actually like absolutely disgusting news um, and. Uh, a, a player is is suing the uh, Chicago Blackhawks for um, sexual assault, and this was a, a video coach. I'm not going to mention the names because I'm I don't want to even talk about uh, that and and give him that person or whatever that uh, the satisfaction. He's a shitbag. So, mm -hmm. um, but the way everything happened was was it was it was swept under the rug. Um, but members of the organization reached out to a former Massachusetts uh, uh, police officer who was working with the the uh, Chicago Blackhawks organization and said that we need to do something. And he, in turn, uh, talked to a, a group of uh, managing members, including ownership, 
and said that we need to blow the whistle on this immediately. And the ownership or people above him um, continued to uh, neglect to make that phone call. And it's been um, so many years now, and it's uh, just a disgusting factor that we have to deal with um, in the news today. And I, I, so I just have absolutely have no respect for anything that goes on in the Blackhawks organization right now. Um, it's even been known as former Boston Bruins member Nick Boynton, who did play for the Chicago Blackhawks, has been uh, interviewed and said he will go on the record um, to say that it did happen and he heard about it. So and it wasn't just an internal thing. So, I mean, it was an internal thing and it, and it should not have been. It should have been brought out. Um, and, and for me personally, the this news is, is troublesome because um, once the cover up really became known, the Chicago Blackhawks removed him from the organization. But also, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it could have been a verbal or it could have been a written recommendation. But it was for this predator to go to a high school and get a job there. And to do it to somebody else um, is uh, the. It was actually convicted of sexual. Yep. You know, whatever. If it was just if see something, say something. It's so important in everyday life, whether you're in the workforce, uh, on a team, organization, whatever. This could have been prevented. This child that was at a, a high school hockey team could not have been touched in inappropriately or dealt with inappropriately because the fact is that Chicago Blackhawks back then in 2010 should have shut the fucking door right on this person then and there. And I think that's freaking wrong. Um, I mean, we have to definitely say it's still under open investigation yeah. yes. about who yes. exactly did or did not do what. Um, so we certainly are not, Everybody involved, we don't know who, especially the bigger name players. But what is definitely known is that one, at least at least one, possibly more than that, uh, with this video, old video coach, like you said, we won't say his name. Uh, after all, he is a predator and a uh, he's a Piece sex predator. He's actually a registered sex offender now after the incident. Uh, is that the players? They were young players, you know. So we do know it probably wasn't anyone when the big name players on said team, but even worse, you go after the younger ones, but it was told to Paul Vincent, who was one of their um, coaches and And former police officer. And And he went, the players trusted him enough that they told him and he believed them. And he's even said, he will testify that they came to him. They told him, and he is dead, dead, just convincingly, how he went and talked to these upper, whether that's Stan Bowman, whether who that's whoever, whatever. And you know, because it's an organization, you have to, the communications have to be there. The prosecutors are going to be able to pull emails and pull phone records and all of that. But Paul Vincent, and he still is ready to go and help this player and stand up, you know? So I think that's part of the most tragic thing is that someone did try to advocate for these players. Someone went to try and seek justice for these survivors, you know, and they were ignored. So this is all I can think is if it was an interesting fallout from the Keem Alu um, racist, hateful behavior that he, that he was subjected to. And a lot of players 
are saying it's kind of wasn't a big that big of a secret. Like like the players, it wasn't so secret. Like other players knew of this happening or had heard things of this. And I'm glad it's still coming out in great beat reporting, but it's going to be interesting. Um, Batman also said he wasn't aware of the Blackhawks situation. Now that could be very well true in the sense that if they've covered it up there, maybe the general league is just finding about it too. If there was an internal cover up, they might've not. And when Batman said that probably meant they had no previous knowledge and at this point, that could be true. But this reminds me just not to be grotesque, but as we, and, and this is not to hate on the Catholic Church, but we live in Metro Boston and we lived Huge in the scandal back in the, the day. There was a scandal with the church. And, and uh, if you, excuse me, Heather, I, I'm sorry if I'm interrupting. No, go ahead. I, I feel really bad. But if you, if you want to know, I, I know it's a disgusting um, topic we're talking about, but if you do want to know about what happened in Boston and around the world when it comes to the Catholic Church, uh, please check out the movie Spotlight. And it was about a freaking group of writers, uh, an insti- instigative, yeah, investigative Invest- group that uh, worked for the Boston Globe that broke the uh, broke huge news on on um, the the Catholic Church and and cardinal law and so on and it was just it's a great movie but it gives you a better um uh depiction of what uh, it actually actually happened so spotlight is the movie folks check it out and um uh what's his name i don't remember but anyway um i think that also just shows kind of generally how these things happen right uh, a camp counselor that doesn't get reported and just gets let go, but we'll give you a recommendation. And that's going to be interesting to find out what kind of recommendation, like it is one thing. I understand your initial instinct is protect the organization. Okay. That doesn't make it right, but I can understand that. Regardless you know, like, of the situation too, regardless if you were in the run for a Stanley fucking cup yeah. and, and didn't want to change the focus of what was going on in your organization, this is still fucking wrong. What concerns me is that they said uh, some of these beat writers have said that they've contacted this guy's former employees, like employers, and all of them are declining to comment on why. So that a lot seems to me much like the church scandal where you just kept moving priests that you knew are pedophiles around to try and save face here and there. But we to recovery centers could have you could have. Right. So you're just putting them with other. So. If he'll do this to grown fucking men in the Chicago Blackhawks organization, professional hockey players, you gave him a recommendation. I mean, I'm not saying terminated because of whatever. Okay. You don't even have to do that, but you don't have to put, I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks has meaning when you put a recommendation out from whoever might've done that. Um, Yeah. To go. And there's also, I think there was like a third incident with a, another player or something I had seen uh, like a younger player and whatever you in essence, just like the priest Cardinal law or whoever allowed more and more kids to be abused by abusers because you did nothing. You let a guy, you literally could have prevented a crime. If you did the right thing, he asked them the, Paul Vincent asked them to go to the Chicago sexual crimes unit or whatever the heck it's called in Chicago. And they didn't do it. Chicago Blackhawks are in trouble. Now there's the Chicago Blackhawks have hired an independent investigator to look into it. 
I don't think the potential criminal should be able to um, look into their own crime. You know what I mean? That's like, you know, that's just shady to me. I think the NHL should be hiring an independent investigator to find out what happened. Yeah. and that, Investigate the investigators. Yeah. Like that's not to add more and more like down, but like, I'm glad, I'm glad that the survivor or survivors, you know, it's not really fully disclosed what exactly the lawsuit and this and that is, but they're suing the Black Hawks organization. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not this guy, the Black Hawks organization. And I hope they get their justice because that's is- the kind of, Sexual trauma fucks people up big, small, like, and you can say there's a scale and there definitely is a scale, but anytime someone just another form of PTSD. violates another person sexually, uh, mentally, physically, that is traumatizing and creates PTSD. Whether you're a little kid, you're a grown man, like that changes your life. It changes who you are. It changes the way that you trust people. It changes how you love people, you know, or even touch, you know, like I just, and the fact that I don't know who it was, I'm not saying Stan Bowman, whoever this and that, but somebody in that organization made a conscientious effort instead of to support their player on a fucking crime, chose to save face instead and led to an even equally worse crime happening. You might even say worse, worse because of them being a minor, you could have fucking prevented another kid yeah. from having that same trauma, you know? I and know. I, I hope this this investigative um, thing that's going on doesn't reveal the fact is because this would be another terrible freaking look on the on the Chicago Blackhawks that if he was doing this to kids before he got the job at at, at the NHL level, and if they didn't if they didn't do their proper background checks and so on and or knew about it and it was one of those things that we're like here saying so on and oh, we'll, we'll just, you know, you swept this under the rug. We'll obviously sweep anything else under the fucking rug. You know, yeah. I, I'd be pretty pissed off that if he has history, even prior to uh, joining the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Yeah, I am definitely, <laughs> I don't care if it just seems like rumors. If you're having anybody have any kind of authority fucking figure, yeah. especially around kids, but even again, even grown, like you need using your careers yeah. as leverage yeah. is like, like pulling up in a black van saying free fucking candy to a kid in a projects. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's yeah. fucking disgusting. It is. I, I'm just, any, it's disgusting when people manipulate each other, but this is particularly heinous of, um, I mean, even just if you think about hockey culture generally, like it's not exactly designed that, um, a grown man to go and go, Oh, I got groped or whatever. You know what I mean? Again, we don't know this specific incident. So I'm just, you know, even if it not, I hate to say it that way. Cause I don't mean even if groping as if groping isn't a bad thing, cause it's a horrible thing to touch somebody right. else without their consent, you exactly. know, exactly. Um, <clears throat> but it's not like it's an environment that probably is conducive. It's the type of environment where, when a player might get in trouble for an assault of some sort, they try to cut hush it down a little bit or like wet finger wag. They don't like go on. How how do the victims trust anybody after this? Yeah. That's what I mean. Is that how did it affect them? And I mean, we don't know who it is, but I mean, I can only imagine like that's fucked up to have someone violate you in that way. And it's even more fucked up 
Oh my God. Did you hear about I, the freaking like, Paul Vincent? The... I, I can't imagine being him. Like the person that went and tried to do something for these players and basically was ignored. I mean, that's all you can fathom, right? They were ignored or actively turned against by the very people that they trusted to do something. How about the team freaking psychologist? Did you hear about that rumor? Yeah. How he was like involved in like trying to change their freaking mind and so on. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. But, There's some people going to face some criminal charges probably by the end of this. I would not oh yeah, doubt. Oh yeah. People and, are going uh, to jail. And I'm, I hopefully that this is closure on, yeah, on something so troubling. But I, I want to move on. We got, uh, we got, we're up against it. So, um, I want to talk about these right here. These are NHL date, important NHL dates to keep an eye on for the offseason. Yep. Just another reminder that the cup will be awarded sometime in the next week, uh, looking like probably Tampa Bay currently, solidly. Uh, We'll see, though. Who knows? It would be so Montreal to come back and just end up winning. But uh, so 17th, that's when the list for protected players have to be in for the Seattle draft. Uh, we're hoping next week to tackle the Seattle draft a little bit. Yep. Uh, and then the uh, Seattle, the expansion draft for Seattle is on the 21st. Then we have the regular draft, the 23rd for the first round, 24th. And the 28th opens free agency. I'm hoping on the 27th to hear Taylor Hall and David Krejci have been re-signed. That's just me personally. Uh, but anyways, and we can also throw in there after that, the first week of August, we have the Bruins development camp. So we can actually add that to the list of coming up in the next 30 days or so. So things are starting. Yeah. Before you know it, we'll be talking about the starting training camps and shit and uh, concerning development camp, we don't know if it's going to be open to the public yet. We're still doing the pandemic thing, but it, we're, our our um, our vaccination numbers are increasing, so that that could be open to the public. Uh, so if if it is, uh, we'd like to be there as media members. If if welcome back, so that, that should be fun. All right, that's that. NH, it's wrapping up. Gonna have by the time we talk next week, we'll have a cup champion. Yes. Yes, um, I do want to talk about our Patreon account. Um, if you want to uh, uh, support us financially, it's a dollar per episode. We do about four episodes, probably six to eight, whatever. It's a very small investment, but you could have the chance to win some fantastic items, like a hand-signed puck. And this one's from a Hall of Fame uh, inscribed, HOF, from Vern Flannan. This was one oh, of the nice. uh, members of the Boston Bruins who were involved in the Ted Lindsay thing back in the day when players were getting cheated and Gordie Howe and all that. So he was like one of the guys that was the head of that team's representation. So um, also I uh, got a new one today. Uh, yesterday, this is a Bruce Crowder, uh, 1981 to 1984 hand signed photo. Pretty cool. Uh, authentic, fully authenticated. And what people really come for is these hand-signed jerseys. And since it is July, we're going to be giving this one away in the middle of the month. This is a, a Johnny Busick hand-signed number nine jersey. Absolutely awesome quality. This is one of the items from uh, uh, Bruce Sullivan, our mid-show commercial from the Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He does a fantastic job over there and, and and has private signings. It's all legit, folks. He has video of them signing all the stuff that he bought. So 
you don't have to worry about getting gypped from like other areas. So please check it out. But please, what we do is we take half of your dollar and we roll it into spending a little bit on, on paying the bills here at the Black and Gold Productions LLC company. But we take the other half and use it for great gifts like this. So these are giveaways, small investment, high reward, just like the Bruins this off season. <laughs> we certainly small, do appreciate all we certainly appreciate all our, our patreon members and hopefully we get more because you guys are awesome we have we like do. 50 we have 50 now and we, we want to grow it so you know what we're gonna do we are gonna get a list you gotta get me that list of writers and patreon people i, I will do fast. i will do i'll give everyone a shout out it'll take you me one fast. minute I do. So I'll list everybody off in under a minute and give out a shout out. But that being said, I think it was an all right one this rainy day. It was, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a shitty day outside. It's, it's 4th of July weekend, three day weekend. I was talking to Courtney earlier. I'm like, this happened to Memorial Day weekend too. I'm like, Mother Nature, you fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Only it was opposite Memorial Day. It was this crappy. Then it got to be the 90s and like the next week. Yeah, it was no like shit. 95 on my birthday. And then yeah, now it's opposite. I would rather it be the 95 degrees and dying for the 4th of July so I can have fireworks. And everything. I know, I know. I want to, oh. I want to go out. I mean, I, last weekend we went to Dale and Natasha's house and this weekend we had plans with some friends, but who knows if that's going to come through because the weather freaking is so like unpredictable. So. I just need this rain to leave because you know, I need the 4th of July fireworks. Yes, I, cannot. I, know, I, I know you have Viking American, blood. It's well, I don't mind the cold. It's just such a swing, dude. We've had like a 55 degree swing in temperature in the last 24 hours. Of your, your people had to navigate the Northern Atlantic in, in weather like this. So yeah. So it doesn't actually it. bother me when it's crappy weather like this. I just, <laughs> I, I need to a balance between this crappy 50 something 60 degree rain and the 105 North America is melting. Yeah. That's all I kept all week. I just kept going. Does no one know North America is melting? <laughs> so sweet. It was the same temperature in Bakersfield, California, California. Yeah. California. And oh, Edmonton, I'm saving that clip for the bloopers. <laughs> That's not normal. It's not supposed to be 97 in Edmonton. Why is it 97 in Edmonton? North America was melting. Parts of it is still melting if you look, but I guess I'll take that. But yeah, anyways, have a good holiday, my friends. Yes, uh, absolutely. Please be safe during the 4th of July holiday. Enjoy it. Um, thank you for really, listening. Yeah, thank you for the you. financial um Patreon members, please rate and review on your um, on your listening platforms. Particularly if you listen to Apple Podcasts, please give a five star rating and say something good, say something bad. We love the feedback, no matter what. But and thank you yeah. uh, to so many great people that retweet our show and yes. uh, and share on their social media platforms to to keep growing the outreach. Um, we do have a good, we, I think we have a decent freaking Boston Bruins hockey talk, Heather. I think we, um, you know, have good chemistry with good friends we love doing this and, and, uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. So I want to continue doing this throughout the off season to keep, uh, the interest going and possibly, uh, an avenue to, um, fasten the, uh, the speed of, of, uh, this off season to get to October and back on the ice when the Boston Bruins are, uh, in the beginning stages of, of possibly winning another Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. That would be so great. One. I know. That's right. That's because we at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast are a member of the mothership, blackandgoldhockey.com. So go there, 
follow all of the writers, listen to all the podcasts. We've got a great lineup. And you need B and G gang anyone. signs. Like, like I know, like how do you do? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's for the YouTube viewers. Um, but seriously, follow everyone. You're not getting rid of us. Uh, again, we're nope. just a bunch of crazy fans with try to have intelligent no. opinions. And no cancel culture here, folks. Not so sorry much to here. Say. And, uh, sorry, you know, Twitter. Sorry, sorry Twitter haters. We ain't going nowhere. Sorry, Naughty Mouse. I know you don't want, you know, necessarily to hear from us, but a lot of people do. And I like to do this and it's yeah. fun anyways. It's good outlet, but you're not getting rid of any of us. None of the writers. 1500 weekly podcast. downloads say the, um, the opposite. So people are, um, you will never run, the well will never run dry here at BNG. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. So make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you're following everyone. And, uh, no. I don't know. We got to get this family together to have some drinks. The ones that are at least within driving Duncan distance. Change, guys. Andrew Taverna, Thomas Nystrom. We all, uh, you know, we all got to get together and have some drinks. Yeah. But anyway, listen, Put this is getting a little Twitter. long. But I just, again, I want to say thank you very much. And please do be safe this 4th of July holiday week. And if you have the week off and you're out partying and so on, please take a cab, take an Uber. Please don't drive. Be safe your family members and friends and, and, and socials uh, love you. So um, with that being said, Mark Allred here. That's Heather Ingerson. Peace the F out. Thanks again for listening to and supporting black and gold hockey podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.